Welcome to episode three of On the Drive. I'm Grace Welby and I'm here with my co-host Taylor Ferns and we have an incredibly special guest today. He is now a two-time Chili Bowl Nationals winner, Logan Seavey. So Logan, thank you so much for joining us on the drive today and I'm super excited to get into the conversation. How about you, Taylor? Yeah, no, I'm excited to learn more about Logan outside of what we just see at the track and, you know, talk about the big Chili Bowl one. Absolutely. So like we were just talking about coming down from, you know, that big win. How does it feel to be a two-time winner now? Uh, it's awesome. You know, it's tough to believe that I've even won it once, but then to come back and, and win it again and twice in a row, you know, race dodge are just so stacked against you in every every form, you know, to show up and beat 300 cars once is, is crazy, but to do it two, two years in a row, is it's pretty hard to believe. So, um, as I said, it's pretty, pretty unbelievable to have, have two drillers now at the house and um, still got lots of years to try to win some more. Well, that goes into my other question, which was where are the drillers displayed? Like, where did you keep it last year? And now is there a special display for the two of them? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, right now, the first one is always just like um, on my little like TV stand under my TV and in my living room. And I basically told myself after a year of that, I'm just going to put it in my office, you know, put it back um, kind of where I plan on storing it anyway. But um, and then we come back and win again. So now they're next to each other. They're on my TV stand under my living room. So I get to see them every day. So uh, I'll keep them there until I guess until I get beat at the Chili Bowl and then I can put them away and uh, they can go on their shelves in the office. And, you know, and that's probably where they'll live for a while. Yeah, I, I, if I had drillers, I'd definitely have those where I see them every day. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Definitely, like, uh, have to get a special case made for them or something. I mean, that's <laughs> iconic. <laughs> so I'm sure most of the Chili Bowl fans, you know, know this story by now. But I just, I think it's kind of cool, the fact that from the outside, your Chili Bowl win looked pretty flawless, you know, but little did everyone watching know that actually fuel was coming out of your, you know, line or whatever it was that broke. Can you kind of recap just the chaos of that race? Because from the outside, again, it just looked flawless. Yeah, yeah. You never really know as a fan what's what's actually happening. And um, yeah, my first my first real problem, you know, not even a real problem, but my first issue I noticed was um, before we'd even went green, we kind of do a little um, which we didn't do much of it this year, but we kind of got on the gas just a little bit. And I, um, <clears throat> went to adjust one of my shocks and one of my shock cable was broken from the start. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if it got broken. We were setting it before the race or what, but, uh, they tend to kind of break easily and, um, they don't even really break. They just kind of come undone. You have to reset them. But, um, but yeah, I lost the shock cable and in a 55 lap race, that's something that you really like to use. Um, but as I said, that's, you know, it was, I was, whatever, I can get over that. And I'll just, you know, wor worry about driving and uh, not working on my race car. And then, and then, yeah, pretty early in the race, it started, I noticed my feet were getting cold, which means fuels on your feet, which isn't good when you're racing. But, um, but yeah, I mean, then your next worry is, are you going to make it on fuel? And I think we had like a half a gallon left. It was completely out of fuel, basically oh uh, at, the end of, at the end of the race. So like one more yellow and I would have, uh, I would have been parked in the infield watching the last few laps, but, uh, but yeah, I guess, I guess all the stars uh, lined up for us. Yeah. So early on in the race, what was your thoughts when buddy got past you there briefly? And then obviously that caution came out and they, um, set him back behind you. Like what was going through your mind, obviously when that happened? Um, yeah, it was kind of similar to last year, like when Cannon passed me, I wasn't 
I wasn't super worried. Obviously, Buddy's really good, and he's going to be tough to pass back. But um, usually leading at the Chili Bowl isn't the best spot to be in, like when you get the lap traffic or when the track the track usually changes two or three times. So um, so I wasn't really worried. I knew there's, there'd be enough time to, you know, get racing and get the traffic, and the track would keep changing. And um, that's just when you – that's just, you know, when you win or lose Chili Bowls is in situations like that. And, um, you know, obviously I got – fortunate to get the lead back and then um i knew the track had moved obviously buddy kind of showed me that and uh moved up for the time being and until i got the traffic but um but yeah at the time when he went by me i wasn't super worried i knew uh, my car was you know just every bit as good as his and i could um you know there's a reason why most of the people win the chili bowl from starting second because usually the early leader doesn't hold on to it but um yeah like I, said, I was fortunate to to buddy kind of show me the line changing and then the yellow comes out to give me the spot back. And, and then I, you know, was able to hold up, hold them off the rest of the race. You mentioned, you know, the track conditions, obviously that was a pretty big talking point, not only after, you know, the finale, but even during like the prelim nights, kind of comparing how awesome the racing was during the prelims. And then, you know, obviously people had their thoughts about how the finale worked out from your perspective, not only as a driver, but, you know, as a fan in the beginning of the week, watching the prelim nights of racing and then having kind of the track the way it was on Saturday, just kind of what are some of your thoughts and I guess feedback on the track conditions, obviously it played out in your favor, but. Yeah, certainly um, when it rubbers, you want to be the leader. So that helped out for sure. But I thought, you know, Monday to Friday was probably the, best conditions we've ever seen at the Chili Bowl for five straight days. Usually there's a day or two where you kind of like, man, I wish the track was better. But I think for those first five days, it was like, this is the best Chili Bowl we've ever had track wise. And everyone was excited for Saturday. And it surprised me really, because every night it was one on the top. And every night I was like, man, I wish they would have just done a little more to the bottom, you know, just give the bottom a little bit more. And we get to Saturday and the only thing they did was work the top. So it just kind of confused me a little bit knowing that, every night the top was dominant and they didn't really give the bottom a chance at all, uh, you know, on the most important race. So it's like, a, um, you know, they obviously are good at what they do. They nailed it five days in a row, but um, yeah, for me as a fan and as a competitor, I was kind of confused um, on not working the bottom when the bottom was slower all week, you know? So um, I think it could have, benefited to work the bottom a little bit but obviously if they work the bottom too much and then we run around the bottom for 40 or 50 laps and everyone complains also so it's kind of a it's a tough situation there's so much racing on saturday and um it's hard to keep the track even remotely close to being good all day um and then you just run into time constraints and stuff so they obviously did a good job this year on time i think we finished pretty early this year compared to last year it was you know well after midnight when we even started the race i think I think it was something like 940. Yeah. There was the end. Yeah, that was was awesome. Right. That's what (laughs) you would love to see. And especially like back when it was on TV and stuff, it's like that's what you have to have done to to do stuff like that on live TV. But um, but yeah, obviously they just they missed it and they they you know they admitted it and obviously everyone knew it, so it wasn't um wasn't a surprise. Uh, it was pretty pretty rough to to run around the bottom for the last I think it was about lap 30 when I moved down. So about 25 laps of just idling around the bottom is not fun as a fan. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, it is what it is. And um, that's kind of the chili bowl has rubbered so many times, you know, this is not the first time and it won't be the last time. So um, people just are going to complain about anything they can. And um, like I said, obviously everyone agrees it's not ideal, 
but uh, certainly complaining about it doesn't help much either. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier, like how attuned you were to like, as the track was changing throughout the race and like how much you watched the prelim nights and how the track kind of was like pretty racy around the top. And then obviously um, during the main on Saturday, it was more so it got to the point obviously where it was on the bottom. How much would you say um, like your seat time and like how active you have been throughout the past few years, how that kind of maybe like helped with your instincts in that way to kind of like be more in tune to what was going on with the track. So you knew when to make the right move one, because obviously like practice makes perfect. Like that's a tough thing. Like that's one of the tougher things with dirt racing. So how would you say all that seat time and like your success over the past couple of years has been beneficial to you in that regard? Yeah, I think that's everything, right? The more you can race, especially like you said, dirt racing is so unique um, that you don't just, you don't just learn that stuff in your first few races. I've obviously been dirt racing my entire life. And I feel like every race I run, I learn a little bit more about it and about different types of dirt and different cars and what they do to it and what tires do to it. And, um, you know, everything, you know, there's, you can never know enough. There's no, you know, there's no limit of what you can learn. You learn every single time. And, um, certainly racing the last few years, I've been probably close to a hundred races every year. And, um, yeah, you just, you just, like you said, it kind of becomes instinct, you know, um, what just looking at something, how much speed it has down there, right? You have to know if the bottom's going to be fast before you go down there. Cause if you do go down too early and you make that mistake, um, you know, guys like buddy or Corey day or them guys are right there. So, um, and they're not going to make that same mistake. So they know, um, every bit as much as I do. And, um, like I said, yeah, if you, if you make the wrong move at the right time or at the wrong time at the chili bowl, um, you know, your chances of winning are, are about over. So, um, yeah, I think everything comes down to experience and seat time and, um, just taking everything in every race, uh, you know, you can't take any laps for granted. You have to be learning every time and, and knowing that you don't know, um, everything. And that's important. Like I said, as much as I race, I still know, uh, that I have a lot to learn and, um, obviously becoming better racer lately. Um, and not giving away as many races as I maybe used to. And, you know, maybe closing out races better than I have in the past. I've been at the Chili, been on the pool, the Chili Bowl before, and I think I ran ninth. And then the last two years I've been on the front row and was able to close out the races. So um, certainly helps getting laps and being confident in myself. And when um, I know that, or, you know, believing in myself that I know when to make the right decisions. And, um, and yeah, you just, like I said, it just comes with time. There's nothing, um, stuff like that can't really be taught and maybe can be, you know, if you have a mentor that helps you, they might be able to speed it up. But at the end of the day, it's just, um, about, you know, logging laps and, and putting races in under your belt and, you know, just having that experience. All that, you know, success and experience that you brought into the chili bowl this year. I thought it was so odd in one of our interviews, you know, you said, I didn't want people to think last year was a fluke. And, you know, thinking about the season that you had last year, it's, it was almost odd to me that, you know, you thought people would think that was a fluke after you basically went out on the USAC trail and, you know, backed up your Chili Bowl win with a bunch more wins, championships, you know. So I guess if you could kind of explain why you felt like you had to prove yourself again and just kind of if you were maybe under more pressure to perform this year, feeling like you had to back it up. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't um... – you know, I think you always kind of want to back up what you've done in the past. Um, and maybe fluke isn't the wrong word. I don't think anybody flukes into a chili bowl win. Um, 
you know, like I said, the odds are so stacked against you and there's so many guys there that, that can win. I don't think um, anybody really flukes into it, but um, yeah, I think more so I just wanted to prove that we were good enough to do it again. And um, yeah, like I said, obviously my season certainly helped um, winning as many races as we did and USAC races and midget races in general. But uh, yeah, I think Kevin and I really just wanted to come back and, you know, I think a lot of people thought, man, you know, Thorson was better and this and that. And um, I think he was better for maybe six or seven laps last year of the 55. Um, but I thought for the most part of that race, I thought we, I thought our car was better and we, for the most part, ran a better race. But um, yeah, I think once he moved to the bottom, his car definitely showed that he was faster, but at that point of the race, it didn't matter, obviously. So um, yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, I think, um, for 50 laps, we showed that we were good. And then for five or six laps, maybe there were some vulnerabilities and uh, we wanted to come back this year and kind of just show that we could do it again. And um, we obviously did that. So um, yeah. And then, you know, you kind of don't really pay attention to, I try not to at least, but you still see, you know, who's going to win, who's going to win. And um, weirdly, you know, not as many people said my name as I kind of thought, which is fine. I don't really care. And we, you know, come back (laughs) and proved them wrong this year. So um, so it was cool again, but, um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, you just want to, you just want to show up and, and win and, and beat everybody in the building and certainly is easier said than done, but, but yeah, it was, it was cool to do it again. So obviously you had the confidence in your abilities and obviously Kevin, um, with the equipment that he gives you and wrenching on the car, was there anybody though, that you were kind of like, uh, you know, maybe he might be able to get me or anybody that you were nervous about in the field, uh, that might be able to take away the rain? Um, yeah, I don't, I think you have to, you have to, you know, keep everybody in play at the chili bowl. Everyone is so good. I think, you know, I think Tanner was never not on the, on the table of guys I thought could win. Uh, Spencer Baston looked better than ever this year. Buddy looked really good in his prelim night, but he was never really challenged. So I didn't know how good Buddy was. And obviously Saturday he showed that he was probably one of the best cars in the building. You know, um, Corey Day was really good. His car was really stable uh, on his prelim night. And then he showed it again on Saturday that he was, you know, he kept up with Buddy and I all race and that kid like hardly races midgets. So that's pretty unbelievable. Um I thought Shane Galbic's car looked the best on prelim night. So I was thinking he had a shot there and uh, he's really good at kind of moving around and, and finding speed off the cushion. But um, it seemed like most of the race, you kind of had to be on the cushion to make a bunch of speed. And then, and then once he moved down, it was rubber and you couldn't pass anyway. So I think in racy track conditions, um, you know, obviously ideal situation, you would have seen a lot more guys be competitive, but it just got, really tricky, really fast. And then it got rubber really fast. So we only saw, you know, a, a couple of variations of the track that we would normally get and, um, didn't allow for the best racing conditions. So you didn't really get to see, um, whose cars were really racy or not. You kind of got to see whose cars were stable on the cushion for a few laps and then, and then we moved into the rubber. So, um, there was lots of guys that, you know, I don't, I don't want to say I was nervous about, but um, yeah. guys that I thought could win the race and guys whose cars looked really good on their prelim nights. Um, and then maybe didn't get to show it on the final night or just didn't put themselves in the right position or whatever. But, but yeah, I mean, there's all those guys that locked in, I feel like are capable of, of winning and all the guys that come out of the B are, are really good too. So yeah. that's what Chili Bowl is so cool. And then one more kind of final question to wrap up our Chili Bowl segment. Yeah. Someone who's a very big part of this story is obviously Kevin Swindell. And after, after your win, I kind of caught up with him at the Chili Bowl and 
he was talking about your guys's relationship and he was saying how after his accident in 2015 you were one of the guys who was you know with him playing video games and you know that's kind of where your relationship maybe started and so I was just curious kind of from your perspective you know this is more than just driver team owner relationship yeah yeah I mean Kevin I've like I said been friends for a long time um he was him and Jordan were one of the first people I had heart surgery in 2016 I think and they were one of the first people to send me a package when I got home and um just always so thoughtful and and then yeah once he had his accident he you know we were not I mean like I said it really wasn't that far apart um I was stuck inside and we were just playing you know whatever I racing and our factor on the computer and other games and whatnot so um back in those days we would talk to each other every single day and we still talk to each other a lot but um but yeah I mean it goes outside of just racing and, and other things like that it's um like I said it's been years and years and probably close to 10 years now that we've been buddies and talking fairly often. And, you know, that relationship obviously grows closer when you, when you have to do business basically together, it's what it is for both of us. And, um, as much as it is fun and, and whatnot, this is how we make money and you have to run well. So it's, um, as much as friendship as it is business. And it's just fun to fun to race with people that you really enjoy being around and that are passionate about the same things you are. It was definitely cool to see the way your team celebrated in victory lane and how excited everyone was. So that was definitely a neat dynamic to watch uh, this last week. But with that, we're actually going to take a short break and then we'll be right back with more. Welcome back to On The Drive. Once again, I'm your host, Grace Welbing, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Taylor Ferns, and our guest, Logan Seavey, who just won his second Chili Bowl Nationals title. But now we're going to move on to your USAC career and kind of talking about this past season, which was quite a season to watch and so many amazing performances for Crown, just everything. So I'm excited to dive into this portion of it. I wanted to kind of start with where the USAC career started, at least in midgets, because I think you came out in 2018 and won the championship as a rookie. So just take me back to that time in your life and, you know, coming on the scene and making it, making a statement like that in your rookie year. Yeah, it all happened pretty quickly. Um, you know, I had heart surgery in 2016 and then uh, I went full-time power eye racing in 2017 with um, Flea Ruzik and Rockville Security and Rams Racing. So we went full-time power eye racing that year and it went well, won a couple of races and, um, you know, towards the end of the season, uh, I actually went up and, uh, into Keith's trailer. I knew Thorson was leaving that year. And I basically just said, you know, Hey, let's, if you guys need a driver, like call me, you know, I, I want to race for you guys. And and that was it. And I, and I left. And then, um, like a week later, he called me, Pete Willoughby calls me and says, Hey, like, we're going to go racing next year. If, if you're in, of, of course I'm in, you know, this is the coolest thing in the world for a, little, a young kid back then. And, um, still is one of the coolest things for kids to get opportunities at KKM. So, uh, they do a great job and, um, obviously it was ecstatic. So we, um, start the season and decoin and we win our very first race with them is like a storybook basically, you know, and then we go on to, to win the championship. So it's kind of, kind of crazy. Like I said, just to have, um, whatever the power eye season was, it wasn't many races back then, 25 or so midget races. And then 
to go USAC racing. And I think we won three, three races that season and um, won the championship and our first, our first tries just crazy. But, um, but yeah, I think I was 20 years old or 21 years old. So wow. a little bit, a little bit old for the midget kids these days to be a, <laughs> but, but um, it obviously worked out. Yeah. I won, won our first uh, championship in our, in our first try. That's pretty incredible. That's, that's quite a run for a, for a rookie. <laughs> yeah. It's like all the tracks are brand new. I had no idea where I was going. I would just get in the truck and trailer and I, I'd drive to the shop in the morning and we'd just drive to the racetrack and I would like watch videos of the tracks that we were going to on the way to the track. And, and yeah. we'd just racing, you know, and in USAC, you got to qualify. So, um, it's, it wasn't easy, but, um, but yeah, obviously we, we were able to win. So what was the road like between 2018 and 2023, you know, from that first championship? And then it took you, what is that, five years to, you know, back it up? What was that road like kind of figuring things out and getting your way back to the top? Yeah. And then uh, 2019, I was with KKM again, and I think we were second in the points to Tyler Courtney, I believe. And 2020, I left KKM and took the whole Toyota organization, and I went with uh, Ryan Bold Underwood AME team and um, we struggled a lot that year um, we weren't very good I got injured uh, during midget week and I sat out for like um, over a month I think so kind of all my points aspirations were gone that year anyway and then um, at 2021 I was with Malloy with the midget side of things Tom Malloy and uh, Trent Shoring and, th and that team and um, we weren't terrible but we we won a few races and we were okay but um yeah, definitely nowhere near like a championship run by any by any stretch of the imagination. I think we won uh, maybe three races that year. Um, and then we come back in 2022 and uh, about halfway through the season, I got fired because I wasn't running good enough. Um, yeah. And then, like I said, I come back to the Chili Bowl in 23, win the Chili Bowl. And then we get together with Abacus Racing this year or last year and um, had the best season of my career, you know, eight wins and uh, title and midget week title and um, just lots of big races, Eldora, um, tons of big races. So, um, yeah, like I said, just crazy how momentum helps with racing and then just putting yourself in situations that work, work out, you know, things you're comfortable in and um, people that believe in you and, um, yeah, like I said, people that are having fun racing certainly helps too. Yeah. So I want to touch on something. So you mentioned Abacus Racing, obviously um, led by Brent Cox, um, yeah. who I've personally gotten to know uh, well over the past couple of years on the Silver Crown scene. But kind of it's like really rare and obviously in motorsports, especially these days, um, for someone to come in like that and like really just want to help racers in general and help them achieve their goals and dreams and provide them with the necessary resources to win races. So what has his influence on the team and just his passion for racing? How has that kind of influenced how you go about with your day-to-day -day or how the team kind of um, readies themselves, you know, for the race weekends? Yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. You know, like you said, Brent's just really just a passionate race fan who, um, is now in the situation where he could have his own race team. And, you know, he has obviously got a great business and he's able to, um, you know, he has got lots of local Indianapolis partners who come on board our team and kind of help, help us, you know, get what we need and, and whatnot. So he's been awesome. You know, he's just goes about it in such a different way than most owners that I've ever raced for. And, 
um, you know, it makes obviously makes sense for him. And he loves being a team owner and just being a part of the sport, really. Um, he's been a race fan forever. And now that um, he's seeing a different side of it, it's it's obviously a, a change for him, but he seems to seems to enjoy it. And um, I said, he just goes about it in different ways than I've ever had racing for other people. And um, it seems to work well. And uh, it's changing for him quickly because we went from, you know, a year ago today, as we're sitting here, he didn't have a top five in, in a racing organization really. And, um, and then we show up and I think we had like 20 something top fives and uh, all, all in one season. <laughs> that's, that's really not normal for a new team, but um, like I said, he goes about it in a different way than, than most people and obviously getting results uh, for what the way he's doing it. So um, yeah, he just assembled a, a good team and he gives us the stuff we need. Um, it doesn't really tell us no very often, um, but we don't ask for stuff we don't need either, right? You don't ask for all the scrapping yeah. and stuff. We we tell them what we need when we need it, and and we get that stuff. But um, we don't go crazy either. So and it and it works out for all of us, right? I I enjoy the people I'm racing with, and um, obviously I'm having a good time doing it. And I didn't really even want a midget race this year, so you kind of you kind of twisted my arm just to do it. Um, just because of how bad of the last few seasons I've had, I was just kind of, I was kind of burnt out on midget racing. Uh, and it, this year kind of, kind of brought me back to it. And I, I really enjoy it again. And um, certainly a little bit easier to have fun when, when you're winning a lot. Yeah, for sure. So kind of going, going off of that with your, you know, deal with Abacus, was that kind of figured out before the chili bowl or was it, you know, going and winning the chili bowl, then you were like, okay, yes, I, should probably go back midget racing or how did, what was kind of the timeline on that or did the chili bowl impact it at all? Uh, so last year we went out West, uh, 2022, I went out West with him and I did those five or six West coast races. Um, and we did okay. We, we didn't like the world on fire. We didn't win, but we ran well. Um, and I just enjoyed the people we were racing with. I've known the crew chief and, um, the, the crew, the crew guys for a long time. I raced outlaw carts with, with them and their families, um, growing up. So I knew them and I was familiar with them and, and we all had fun together. And yeah, I mean, that was kind of the point where he basically said, you know, if, if you just major race with us next year, you know, there'll be more opportunities in the future and we'll, um, do more of other stuff, you know, outside of just major racing. Um, and that was kind of, kind of what did it for me is just, um, you know, if we could, if we could have one team doing all the racing for me, that would be ideal um, with USAC and all the three series. And um, it's so chaotic trying to race for three different car owners and three different cars and, um, yeah. you know, different crews every week. It's, um, it's just a lot to, to deal with. And, um, you know, I figured if we could eventually get down to where I'm running for uh, all the series with one team and one crew and, uh, you know, the same people all the time, it would be, it would be a lot easier and just make more sense for me. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where it came about was last, you know, 2022 out West, we went racing and I had fun and we ran all right. And I knew, I knew we could run better with, with some different things changed and I got them to change some things obviously after the chili bowl. And, um, we kind of, I think it finally committed to everything at prior yeah, after the chili bowl, but we were pretty much set to go, to go racing for the, the season before that. So, um, it didn't really change much, but certainly, certainly helps confidence. I can only imagine what sort of logistical challenges you had this past season with everything that you were doing and, you know, winning two races in one day at different tracks, different cars. I mean, that had to be 
its yeah. own logistical nightmare. <laughs> yeah, what sir? It's a circus. <laughs> it is a um, complete circus. Yes. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. So, Logan, you know, you touched on a few things, like obviously throughout your USAC career, and then outlaw carts. Um, now when you started racing and your involvement throughout motorsports, did you always be like, I want to be a midget driver. I want to be a sprint car driver. Or did you, what were your aspirations, um, coming up through the ranks of motorsports? And obviously like, as we grow as people, like our dreams evolved. And so what has that been like for you as you've kind of come up through the field? Yeah, it's crazy. It's not, um, mine is a lot different than most people because my family growing up, like did not was not involved in racing at all me and my brother were the first for us so um when we first got go-karts when we were really young um my brother was kind of the the guinea pig right because like i said my family knew absolutely nothing about racing and um um so every time we got like to a new class of outlaw cards my brother would kind of take the brunt of them trying to figure out what all this stuff was and then by the time I got there a couple of years later, we were pretty figured out and my car was always pretty <laughs> decent and stuff like that. So, but yeah, for the most part, like I didn't, I did not know what USAC was until I was, you know, probably 12, 13, 14, like until I was getting older, old enough to really like look into this stuff myself and get on the internet and things like that. Um, Cause my family didn't know and they didn't care. We were just going go-kart racing to have fun with our family and with our friends. And um, there was no like, future and racing for us we were just doing it for fun as we were kids and um like I was yeah like I said I didn't know we knew what the outlaw world of outlaws were because of the gold cup and um like I didn't know there was serious racing outside of the world of outlaws and yeah it was just all new to me until like Kyle Larson went to run the gold cup or the chili bowl I don't think I really knew what the chili bowl was uh, but because he was you know, one of our friends from home, we kind of figured out what all this stuff was. And, um, yeah, then you just kind of get racing and you meet certain people and you get introduced to other people and, uh, just kind of snowballs, but it's still like a, a huge shot in the dark of even being out in Indianapolis racing for a living. It's just like such a long shot. It's, it's unbelievable that I'm here. Cause, um, cause yeah, like I said, I've, no family background of racing we have no connections in racing we've got nothing at all to do with racing so um yeah like i said uh, i think i started racing on my own um like quote unquote professionally racing outlaw cards when i was 14 i got my first ride and started making a few bucks here and there and then um and then yeah i, I didn't really start making real money racing until uh, i was at kkm and even then, you know, just racing midgets, you're really not making a whole ton of money, but, but yeah, outside of, you know, to get back to your question, like I did not know what any of this was <laughs> until I was really, really old enough to kind of learn about it myself and kind of goes back to like racing on the computer and meeting people like Kevin Swindell and Christopher Bell and like hundreds of us that would get together and, watch these USAC races and world of outlaw races and stuff on the internet. So, um, so yeah, I guess background wise, I've got about nothing compared to most of the people I race with and, um, everything I've learned, I've pretty much learned on my own or through my racing experiences, nothing that has been passed down to me at all. Yeah. That's so, so interesting. So did your parents, like when you got, obviously when you graduated high school, assuming you went to a regular high school, did yep. you? Yeah. 
So when you were done with high school, were your parents like, what do you want to do? Like, you need to go to school. Like, how did they react to that? Or were you just like, no, I'm going racing? <laughs> um, no. So when I got out of high school, I went to college. Um, so I went to college for mechanical engineering. Oh. At this time, I was racing uh, locally, like uh, local. I think at the time I was racing local 360 sprint cars at Placerville. Um, and then I had, like I said, I, I graduated high school in 15 went to college for about a year had heart surgery in 2017 dropped out of college and then early 20 i feel i think i messed up the years that i was just saying but anyways <laughs> heart surgery in 2016 and then i started power ride racing in 2017 and even then all throughout 2017 i was living at home in the first half of the year i was um like I said, I kind of dropped out during my surgery deal, but then I went back to a, a junior college for a semester while I was flying back and forth to race power eye races all year. So that whole 2017, I flew in and out of Illinois, every race that we ran pretty much um, while going to a junior college. And then once I kind of figured out that I was going to go to KKM and um, move to Indiana full time, I finally had to like fully drop out of school and yeah. uh, and then finally commit to racing so I didn't really um like I said this is two years post high school that I finally got to get out of um California and, and race for real so yeah no there was no like conversation of oh I'm going racing I was I was fully going to college to to get my degree and, and go to work like you know most most Americans do and yeah. and then and then yeah I, I went racing and and you know, I knew the odds were against me. So I wasn't, I wasn't really ever, I don't want to say I wasn't ever fully committed to racing, but I didn't have anything that may, that was allowing me to commit to racing until I got to KKM in 2018. And, and then things started to fall my way, but yeah, I graduated high school in 2015 and I, I wasn't racing. Like I said, I was 20, 20 years old when I started racing for KKM. So there was a few years there where, where I wasn't, uh, I wasn't this full-time racer that I am now. Did you move to Indiana to when you started the full-time racing in 2017 or when did that move from, you know, California to Indiana come in? Um, 2017, when I was racing power rife, I was flying back and forth all the time. So I wasn't making enough money to pay for my own place or anything like that. And I had a sponsor paying for all my flights. So it worked out better for me then. And then, um, yeah, once I, once I got to KKM, um, I moved to Columbus, Indiana full time, like early 2018, so quickly after I ran the Chili Bowl for them in 2018. Gotcha. You spoke a couple times about, you know, making a living doing this and how how hard it can be. It was kind of funny. We had Timez on on our last episode and I quote, he goes, unless you have a Logan CV year, it's really hard to make a living doing this. <laughs> I forgot he did say that. Yeah. And so... <laughs> You you know, you mentioned like, yeah, you weren't making enough money back then. Are you at a point in your career now, especially considering the year you had last year where y you can call it, you know, you're making a living racing? Yeah, I mean, I feel like, like I said, even though I was never making making much, my bills were certainly pretty low when I was 20, 21, 22. So um, it's always been my only form of income. So I technically have been making a living racing just because the living <laughs> doesn't mean it's not making a living but um but no certainly obviously this last you know 365 days has been crazy um and then um 
you know, the more races you win, the more t-shirts you sell. And it's just, um, you know, everything, when things are going good, everything's going good. And when things are going bad, everything's going bad. um, I know it doesn't take long to turn around and it could be back the other way pretty quickly, but, um, but yeah, certainly this last year financially has been by far the best year of my life. Like probably, I don't know, I don't even know. It's been, like I said, it's been great. Um, and yeah, but the, the two or three years prior certainly, certainly weren't great. So this year yeah. make, make, makes up a little bit for those, but, but yeah, you really have to put together a lot of years in a row to do it financially, you know, really to be doing okay financially, like guys like Brady Bacon and Justin Grant. And there's really not that many of them that do what we do that, that can do it consistently and, and pay all their bills and, you know, have kids and, and stuff like that. So uh, it certainly takes years like I've had this last year and um, you've got to be able to do it consistently for a long time to, you know, to make it work in the long run. Yeah. So you got obviously the 2023 season, you won two out of the three USAC championships, got that hundred thousand dollar bonus. <laughs> I know we talked about that at the USAC banquet. So this year going for the triple crown, are you going to go for that? What is it? Half a million, 500,000? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. It's a lot of money. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Well, um, you know, we've got some stuff, lots, lots of stuff going on this year. Yeah. But hopefully, you know, everything, if everything goes, you know, if all the stars align, um, yeah, then we'll have a, we'll have a shot at some serious money and, and, um, you never know what can happen. So luckily I've got some good race cars and, um, obviously the, the sprint car one's the one that's been the hardest for me. And, um, you know, the silver crown's never easy. None of them are ever easy. So, um, yeah, to, to think it's, you're just going to show up and, and win all that bonus money is, would be, um, probably not, not the smartest idea, but, um, but yeah, obviously, <laughs> you'd be dumb not to, not to think you can and, and to go for it. So, um, yeah, like I said, there's going to be, um, some stars that have to align to, to make all that happen. But, but yeah, you know, you never, you never know. That is some, that's some serious, uh, life-changing money for sure. As far as USAC goes, what's been your favorite car and series to race in? Um, uh, for me, it's silver crown. I don't shy away from that. Those are dirt silver crowns for sure is the, the most fun I have racing race cars. Um, I think it's just the whole aspect of it. The cars are cool. They're fun. It's fun to race with the spotter. Um, yeah, you know, the whole, the whole aspect of the series is cool. I like long races. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just love that series and obviously I have success in it. So that certainly helps to, to like a, a car that you're driving when, when you run well, it's like I said about the midgets, I was not, I was not enjoying midget racing for a while cause I was struggling. And then, you know, the last few years we, we go win win some races, and now I, I like midget racing again. So, um, yeah, I mean, but yeah, I, I don't shy away from the dirt silver crown. It's for me at the moment my most fun car. I, the car I enjoy the most for sure. Well, silver crown is uh, music to Taylor's ears, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I was telling Grace before we got on. I was like, I'm gonna give Logan crap and be like, when's he gonna win a pavement silver crown race? <laughs> And so that's what I was going to get into because obviously you're so prominent on, on the dirt side of things. Right. But you really, ever since I came back to silver crown, like in 2021 and you were on the scene and you've always been super competitive on the pavement stuff. And like, obviously running really strong. Like I know you've had at least a handful of seconds the past couple of years, 
so close there to getting that first payment win. What is that adjustment like for you? I mean, I know what it's like for me personally, but everybody's different, like going from the dirt to the pavement. And do you think you get the pavement crown win this year? <laughs> I hope. I mean, <laughs> the, the pavement stuff is just so hard for me. It's just so much different than what I've done my entire life, obviously. Um, just like any dirt guy trying to, or any pavement guy trying to get on dirt, you know, it's just, it's a struggle. And um, yeah, I think to begin, you know, that first year or so, uh, it was a mixture. I didn't know what I was doing. Our car was not good. Um, but by the end of the year, I think we knew what we needed to change. And then 2022, we ran a lot better on the pavement. It was kind of the same thing. I was still getting a little bit better. Uh, Ronnie was kind of learning what the car needed because um, I had no feedback. I, I wasn't confident enough in myself as a driver to be able to tell him anything because I just always thought I was going to tell him the wrong thing. So um, I'm like, if I'm not confident in what I'm telling or what I feel, then I just don't say nothing. Um, until I feel confident enough to, to, you know, give feedback, I usually don't give any feedback. And, um, just cause I don't want to give the wrong feedback and go the wrong direction. Um, so that was probably the biggest struggle of the first few years is that I didn't know what to say or what to do, or if I was driving right, or if I was, if I was doing something wrong or if the car just sucked or what, yeah. um, you never really know when, when things are new, you just kind of hope. And, um, I think we were both off for a while and then this last year we've been really fast you know I really I really feel like we had a shot to win Winchester um and then I went into turn one and my brakes were completely gone so oh, uh, no. I went to the back I went to the back <laughs> quick yeah and then uh, <clears throat> we thought we had a fix under that red and they were back for like five laps and then they went you know they went away again and then my yeah. right front, my right front wheel broke and I hit the wall so that um, is the worst corner to lose your like you might be able to make turn three without him okay but turn what? one Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah turn one at winchester is pretty sketchy so <laughs> um yeah i limped it around for a while and then eventually eventually crashed but um but luckily for the season wise luckily at that point in the race there was only like i think i finished 12th because i, I just stayed out there and so many people pulled in but um but yeah i completely destroyed our car yeah, everything on it was got, was destroyed. Yeah, I remember that. You like the silver crown cars. Now you like the midgets now that you're winning. I know in the past you did some ARCA stuff. I think a truck race at Eldora. What is the, I guess, new career goal for you? Or what's what's next for you? Like, what have you set your mind on that you're like, I want to get here? Um, I mean, obviously the the obvious route would be like win a sprint car championship to complete the USAC triple crown. Right. That would be the, the obvious answer. And that's definitely on the radar, but um, man, yeah, for the most part, just, just winning any races. is just so cool to me. I, like I mentioned earlier, this, this stuff wasn't even on my radar until, you know, a little over 10 years ago. So um, to be here now is just so crazy to me. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, I would love to get do some more wing races. I did a few this year and um, had decent success. So I'd like to keep doing that. Um, just really like racing new things and different things and things that I enjoy. And, um, so yeah, wing cars are on the radar at some point in the next few years. I would love to race some dirt late model stuff. Uh, I tested one a few years ago and had a blast. And I uh, would love to get to race one at some point in the next couple of years. So, um, always just looking 
or windows in my schedule where I can go do different stuff and, and learn different disciplines and, and just have fun. Um, you know, I'm young, so I'm trying to just have as much fun as I can and learn as much as I can while I'm young and, uh, just really just enjoy what I'm doing. Cause I, like I keep saying, it's just, it's just unbelievable that, uh, I get to do what I get to do. It's pretty crazy that you went from basically not knowing anything about dirt track racing to now being one of the greats of the sport, you know, and I'm sure you're on your way to more success based on how this last year went. So thank you again for taking the time to uh, join us on here. It's been, it's been a fun conversation getting to know you a little more. So thank you, Logan. Awesome. Yeah. I've had a blast guys. Thanks for having me. With that, that concludes episode three of on the drive.